And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Okay, James, it is, what day is it? Thursday afternoon, we're recording this before the Leafs play in Jersey, before they play against Boston. Did I say that right? They play against Jersey in Boston. Um, We're like 15 games in the season, and it kind of feels dull a little bit. Do you feel that way about the year? You mean the Leafs are like, yeah, like it is a little bit. I mean, I think... This season is probably going to be a little bit anticlimactic with the Leafs. And it's unusual. We haven't really covered a team where it's like they're this much of... They're like the overdog. They're they're like one of the top four teams. I was talking to Mark Lazarus, who covers the Blackhawks for us yesterday. Mm. And I said, you know what? It's it's kind of boring. And, and he was like, oh, I'm covering like this like tire fire in Chicago. And it's a little bit interesting. I'm not used to this because he's covered such good Chicago teams for so long. And he said there were years where... The Blackhawks would go in and it would be like February and they're playing Carolina and whatever. And like, you know, they're going to win even if they don't play well. And it kind of feels like that with, with the Leafs. Like they have games like the one against Vegas where they're not very good, but they, they win. That's, mm-hmm. that's happened a bunch of times this year. So um, I don't know how the fan base feels about it. It's almost like with the Raptors, right? Where like everyone's kind of just waiting to like the whole season is a lead up to what seed are they going to get in the playoffs, which is, is a bit unusual. Well, it's different about the Raptors a little bit, but it's the same sort of thing. It's like I'm a Raptor fan, and I go into these games thinking they're going to win. Like I don't I don't have this anxiety that eh, they might not be able to win this game. Or like you go into every game now thinking they're going to win. It's a little bit different in hockey, and it's a little bit different with the Leafs. But like there's not this seasonal anxiety that you would worry if you're a fan that they're not going to make the playoffs or or anything like that. It's more what's happening with the team today. Like, is is Tavares playing well? Is Anderson playing well? How's Marner doing? You know, is Ron Hainsey going to be able to make it on their top pair? But it's not... It, I, th- I guess it's what happens when a team becomes good. Like, suddenly it's not tire fires every day. It's not crazy stuff with Ubers and, like, salute gate. None of that stuff happens. Like, you just get to a point where there's stability. I guess this is what they wanted they wanted to be a stable franchise and now it kind of feels like they're there what do you think the Leafs would be saying in an uber about their team i guess they'd probably still be complaining about things i guess everybody in every workplace would do the same thing right but they're probably like more content i guess with the Leafs are like these i was thinking when i was talking to mark i was saying this is that these guys are young and they've only played on playoff teams like they've only played on good nhl teams marner and, and and matthews and brown and so it's not like they haven't really known the angst of... I mean, Riley has. Kadri has. But the young guys, 
they just they expect to win you know and and what a charmed existence to step right into the NHL you've been on the worst team they played on had 96 points I think that first year like that's that's pretty unusual for for the Toronto franchise so um I guess the the one thing that that we talk about that seems to move the needle that gets people interested is Nylander like anything that we write about Nylander or any tweet you have about Nylander still moves the needle but that's been going on for months so there's some fatigue to talk about that but I did the thing on 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 Nylander's how his contract um, changes the longer they wait to sign it and it did extremely well today and people are interested in that they're less interested in what's happening on the ice okay so the podcast is brought to you by the Saki Hall of Fame um, we do have a live show coming up on November 29th at the Rivoli, Queen and Spadina. So come up to that. It was fun last time. James just like lets loose. He's just wild. <laughs> um, so I'm do you want? I'm just myself. Just yes. Like the people who know me well know that I'm <clears throat> a bit goofy sometimes. So yes, it's. I think it's surprising to people who don't know you. Yes. Like even in text messages, you're just like always sending me crazy stuff and like gifts and like you're the straight man in the whole thing yes people think i'm the yeah yeah it's funny so anyway uh do you want to talk about the the neander stuff yeah did you see the story i put yeah. out today uh, it's it's a little complicated to explain but i guess the here you can explain what the gist of it is basically the longer um they wait to sign him. The deadline's December 1st, but the longer they wait to sign him into the season, the higher the cap hit on the contract is in the first year and the lower it is in every other year of the contract, which is a totally weird thing. I, I went as far as I contacted some uh, executives with teams. I talked to some agents. They weren't really 100% sure why this exists. So I talked to Bill Daly. Did you see that I had a Bill Daly quote at the bottom of my story? And he's like, it exists so that teams don't want to do this, so that... There's like, but if you that think, doesn't make any sense, it it doesn't make sense because it's some, like the opposite. Because would, some teams are going to want that lower cap hit in the other years, like the sure. Leafs right now. So it's not, it doesn't punish them at all. It punishes Nylander a little bit, but it doesn't really because it, I don't know. It doesn't. The rule doesn't make any sense, but it exists. I worked out that I calculated based on every single day when he could sign the contract what the deal might look like. If you look at it, if he signs a bridge deal in the five million range, that second year of the contract, the cap hit is really low. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like four point two or four point three, and I mean that that can make it a lot easier for them to keep Gardner or to bring in another defenseman. Or mm-hmm. so I look at that and I'm like, the bridge deal almost looks even a little bit more enticing in in that situation. But the idea that they would be doing this on purpose no, is no. foolish. No. That's, that's rubbish. That's crazy. There's yeah. no way that, and from what I can gather, you, you know, this isn't, both these sides are super frustrated. Like they wanted this done months ago and this is not, there's not like a, there's not like a handshake agreement that they're going to wait later so that the cap hit is lower. It's just like a weird benefit of this. It's basically like, it almost looks like a mistake in the CBA that this is how it works. It really yeah. does. And I forgot about this, but if you look at Hampus Lindholm is a guy that signed, um, he missed like the first three weeks of the year in Anaheim in, uh, was it 2015 or 2016 mm-hmm. or something? It was a couple, couple years ago. A couple years ago. And if you look at his contract, it's totally weird. The first year of the deal is like, his cap hit is like 5.71 and a whole bunch of numbers. 
And then all the other years in his deal, he signed like a six-year deal. All the other years are 5.2. It's like, well, that's pretty good for the dogs. I mean, Mm -hmm. you get past that first year, and then all of a sudden you've got – and Hampus Lindholm is a very, very good defenseman who they've got for 5.2 on the cap. So um, it makes the bridge deal look better, but it makes the long-term deal look better too. If you get Nylander on a long-term deal for $7 a year, the cap it's only going to be 6.6 or 6.7. And it doesn't sound like a huge difference, but if you – carry that forward through the next six years or whatever it's gonna add up mm-hmm. well so i'm gonna write a bit about neilander next week while you're in california going back to cali yeah um but one thing i just think we should talk about briefly with neilander um it does not having him does expose them a bit not a bit it, it exposes them as like when you take away one pillar him and then you take away another because of injury Suddenly, like you look at how scary offensively they are, and they're not—they're just not as scary. Like you take out of two of—I think we talked about it before. Like you take out two of five or whatever it is. Suddenly, like you look at their future, and like you look at their future if they didn't have him, you kind of get a window into what they might look like, and it's—it's it's not as tantalizing, if that makes sense. And it's not like they've got a young player coming that's going to no. be a difference maker offensively. So. I thought it was interesting that Elliot Friedman in, in 31 Thoughts this week speculated that maybe they'll trade, if they have to trade Nylander, maybe they'll trade him for a forward. I know you, you said you didn't like that idea and you don't think that there's going to be. But what it does is it opens up the possibilities for potential trades and potential players that they could get back. And But the reason that that might make sense is that you look at what they have. Um, they wouldn't want a center, but you look at what they have at left wing. And it's, you know, especially after, after well, even with Marlowe, I mean, there, there, there's not a lot of offensive punch on on left wing right now, and if they could potentially move Nylander, and then you bump, um, you've got pretty good right wingers between Marner, Kapanen, Brown. If if big capital letters, if they have to trade Nylander, it's not the craziest idea in the world that that you look at more options than just a defenseman. Okay, I'll get into my thoughts on that next week because I don't want to ruin what I'm planning to write about. So let's talk about Frederick Anderson. Um, it's interesting, like, his start has kind of been underplayed a little bit just because, like, it's it's hard sometimes to talk about goalies. He's such, like, an understated guy. Um, but you and I were talking about it in the press box after the game against, I don't even remember who, Vegas. And basically your point was, like, if he becomes, like, a 922 or a 925 goalie instead of, like, a 918 guy... That can mean a lot for them in the regular season. And obviously, the big thing is going to be what he delivers in the playoffs. But him getting off to this start um, is significant, I, I would think. Um, not hugely significant, but significant nonetheless, given how he started before. Well, I mean, you never know. I mean, I think he has the capability of of continuing this. I mean, he's been a streaky goalie in the past in his career, but, you know, he's into his prime right now mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of goalies kind of have their best seasons in kind of their their late 20s as they they get the sure. league figured out and things like that i mean basically it's not out of the question that this could be his career year and that he could be a 925 or a 926 yeah. goalie and that's a big difference over a 918 over the course of a full season you know if they can get that if they can get one of the best goaltending performances out of a starter in the whole league out of him that's another element to the Leafs season that we weren't really anticipating. Like we weren't thinking coming into the year that they're going to have one of the best goalies in the league. Mm -hmm. They could, they might end up with that. And if they do, 
it's going to keep them closer to a team like Tampa. Well, do you know what seems to happen with guys like in his class? Like I'm thinking of like Ben Bishop and like Corey Schneider and yeah, whoever else. Year. They have like one year where they just explode. Braden Holpe like wins Mike a, Smith, a Vesna. Mike Smith, like they have one year where they, they outperform their numbers and then they kind of come Ryan back. Miller, remember? Yeah, so like you can go through just about every goalie aside from like the very elite, elite, elite. And even those guys, like they kind of hover up and down. But maybe this is that year that he kind of steps outside and he becomes like a Vesna candidate the one thing with him is like it's weird like you look at his season numbers and they're consistent but in season he's not been super consistent he's either been really really good or really not so good so it'd be interesting if he can maintain more of like a straight line i don't know if you think that is possible i think i think it's it's possible i mean if we're making predictions it's probably that there's going to be more up and down and there's some going to be some downs at some point this year but i mean i think if you're the fan base with the leafs you probably only really care about what Anderson does in April anyway. I mean, like, yeah. uh, other than potentially winning the, the division. The crazy thing is if the Leafs were in a different division, the conversations we would be having would probably be way different. Like, they, you know, they would be a lot easier for them to win the division if Tampa wasn't there, right? I yeah. mean, I guess Nashville's ahead of them, too. Yeah. The last I looked, the Leafs had the third best record in the league, and I think it's Tampa and Nashville ahead of them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if although if they're in the Metro, I mean, you're up against... It feels like Pittsburgh's going to figure out eventually, and Washington still mm-hmm. looks pretty good. And so, um, but that's kind of what they need, especially with Matthews out and Nylander not playing, is that they needed someone else or else is. It's probably not the right way to say it. They needed more else's to, <laughs> to, to step up and play well. And, and Anderson could be, and Riley's another one that has stepped up and played really well. Um, anybody else that's like kind of filled the void? Not really. I mean, Anderson's Marner been... and Tavares, which you kind of expect. Yeah, but like if you're looking at early, giving sim- up on the Tavares. Tavar, what do you mean the saying? Yeah, Tavares pronunciation. No, that's the right one. Tavares is wrong. It's supposed to be Tavares, isn't it? That's what I said. Okay. Yeah, it's. In, I don't know. People can go back on the tape and see if that's what he said. <laughs> you really notice it when the in-game announcer like announces the goals and whatever. It's like Tavares. He's been just okay, right? Apparently, I don't know what everyone's talking about. Like, I think Tavares has been Tavares has been. <laughs> I think Tavares has been amazing. Like, I think yes. If you watch him every game and really focus on what he's doing, especially in the offensive zone, like I've been super, super impressed. Well, he, that game in Pittsburgh, he could have had three or four goals. Against Dallas too. I mean, he yeah. hit the crossbar and the post, and I think I think he's been fantastic. I think he's been. He looks like one of the best 15 players yes. in the world. I think he's been so good. Well, the one thing I noticed with him, and like you, you notice this when you watch him like once a few times a year, he's always going. Like there's never – like you know some guys like you can tell that they just don't have it he's tonight. or like always around the puck yeah. all the time, and he's not that fast. Like his, there's no. been lots of talk about his skating getting better and whatever. He still does not look very agile or fast, but it doesn't matter because he's always closing on guys, and when he gets the puck, other teams have such a hard time handling him. He's He's – Sort of like Crosby a little bit, but he's got that wide stance and you can't knock him over and he's so good with the puck. He always goes into these one-on-one battles where a defenseman approaches him and he keeps the puck and they can't get it away from him. And then, and a lot of times it turns into a chance. So I've been super, super impressed with them. And him around the dressing room too and just his personality. And, you know, it, it's I don't know him that well, but just seeing him in the first, whatever, six or seven weeks that we've covered him, you know, it's it's a little bit frustrating seeing kind of all the bullshit that's coming out of New York about, you know, questioning his character and how they don't need him anymore and all these stuff. Number one, he looks like an amazing player. 
And number two, he seems like an amazing person. Like he just seems like a good. He's like very, very professional. Is what I would say. I was going to say vanilla, but I don't want people to take that as like an insult. Like he's very, very low key. Like there's not, he's like the least, one of the least flamboyant guys I think I've ever covered. Yeah. But, but I think he's a good person and I think he's a fantastic player. And people are talking about all the cap issues that the Leafs are having. Like, oh, maybe I see it in the comments all the time. Maybe they shouldn't have signed Tavares. And it's like. I don't know. I think he's been so good. They're way less good if they don't have Tavares. Like their their center situation is is a mess. You were talking about this the last game. Like imagine they don't have Nealander right now. Matthews gets hurt and they didn't have Tavares. They yeah. were going to sign Derek Ryan, who's playing I so, think on the fourth line. In yeah. Calgary. So maybe look up the difference between that and and Tavares or Kadri or, and like even when this is like a perfect example of like what having him on your roster does is like you lose your best center and suddenly you just have another top 15 player in the league to play bigger minutes then you can move Kadri up he can play bigger minutes but one thing that I I do think is sort of interesting right now is that they're keeping Marner and Tavares together I get it because that's experimented moving them around and it hasn't worked he sort of did he did it for a game and a half and it didn't really work actually for the half game it worked um, you remember Marner with Kadri and Marlowe was good for half a game. And then the next game, it didn't work at all, and he changed it back. The one thing it does is they're just not dangerous on any other line right now. And and granted, they played a really good game in Pittsburgh, probably their best game of the year. But like you look at the composition of their lineup after Hyman, Tavares, and Marner, and there's just not a line there that really scares you. The fourth line doesn't give you anything offensively. The Kadri line or the Lindholm line gives you nothing offensively. And Kadri Kapanen and, and Marner is kind of, or Kadri Kapanen and Marlow is kind of limited in terms of what it could give you. So I don't know if you think that that's something that they're going to have to experiment well, with over the next couple weeks. Counterpoint, what I would say is the Lindholm line looked has looked a lot better, I think, the last couple of games. Well, because Janssen suddenly looks yes. a little, bit more like Janssen. Janssen looks good. He's been he's been really good, and his numbers have been good. And and the other thing too is you get that goal from Connor Brown where he picks the pocket sure. of the defenseman and scores. And that's a game where they might not have won if they didn't get a goal like that. So because Vegas was all over them. So the I think the issue is going to be, you know, what's interesting about Lindholm that I haven't seen anyone talk about. He's one of the top faceoff guys in the whole NHL. He's like fifty six percent. Yeah, I've talked to him about that. And if you look at his stats last year in Sweden, they were awesome too. I think he was like fifty eight percent. Yeah. What's unusual is to come in as a rookie and be really good. It never happens. No, it's almost impossible. And he's not a big guy or anything. But he's not. He's also not like a typical rookie. Like he's twenty seven. Like right. he is a. He's a man. Like he's not like a. You know what I mean? It just so, seems in Europe traditionally there hasn't been as much emphasis on like being really strong face off. Sure. Like a he lot told me he Europe- just like wants to win every face off. Like he's just. That's a big skill for him, I guess. He's one of those guys that I don't think he's going to produce a lot of offense, but he's got a lot of these like utility qualities that are good. Yes. Like I like him on the penalty kill. Like he's he's very tenacious. He's on the puck all the time. Like I think as a fourth line center, I think he makes a lot of sense. The problem is is that he's on the third line right now, and they they need Janssen and Brown to produce more offense. They just do. Well, I was going to ask you. Um... And again, the podcast brought to you by the Saki Hall of Fame. Um, MyFranchise.com or .ca? Yeah. Um, would you be concerned at all that their fourth line gives them literally nothing offensively? Um, now, the, the possession numbers all look good. We, like, that's fine. But don't you need to get something out of that line? Like, 
The possession numbers were not good against Vegas. <laughs> the possession numbers were a tire fire against Vegas. But Goat was in the like lowest numbers I've ever seen, 9% or something. Yes. And he does not have a point. Um, Levo, I believe, has only one goal, which is at a power play goal. Uh, Ennis, I don't think, has an even strength goal. Maybe has one. Like, does that would that concern you if you were Babcock or Dubis? Like, don't you need to get? They're not playing a lot, so that's that's like part of this. They're playing like eight minutes a game, but at some point, I feel like you need something from that line, especially when Matthews is out. Like when Matthews is in, like they they probably can get by just fine. But I don't know. I mean, your fourth line, you probably need a goal every like six games or seven games. Right, I mean, they haven't gotten that. Yeah. The the question though is what's the alternative? Like it's not like who do you call up? I wonder if you call up a guy like Cracknell who's like produced at least at the NHL level more than Goat, and then that could be a guy that plays your seven minutes, and then maybe yeah. they, I mean he's got didn't he have thirty goals in the AHL last year or something like that? I mean, yeah. well, at least it's, it's not, a guy that can put the puck in the net. Well, and it's not like they're using Goche to win faceoffs and kill penalties. Like he's not doing any of that stuff. Did you see what his faceoff percentage is? No, actually, I haven't looked at he's it. He's had like forty three, or he's one of the worst guys in the league. Yeah, Go. so that's Go's not a good faceoff guy. Like that idea that he's this big center that's going to win you draws is it's made up. Well, that's why I liked it. Well, and it wasn't. It was never the case. Like, no. Even in the AHL, I don't think he was a great faceoff guy. No. So like, it's not like he's he's checking all these boxes elsewhere he's not for you. Penalty killing. I mean, so like maybe like at some point Trevor Moore gets in there. He's not going to be obviously, but he's not bringing a, a lot of off. No, but like maybe maybe you rotate it. I don't know. The point is, they're just not getting anything from that line, and like when you're in, you in almost a, just play seven D. I mean, if you no, they're already playing Marner and Tavares. Tavares, fuck, <laughs> they're already playing those guys a lot. I don't think you can drive it up much well, more. I think we should ask JT to change it back. So let's we, just call him JT, <laughs> Johnny. Nothing more to say on that. Anyway, I just think during this stretch when you're without your best player and you're kind of a one-line team offensively, this is when you could use a little more jump from your fourth line. Anyway. Um, I 100% agree, but... I just who, don't... Yeah, you're right. Who's like, it going to be? There, There isn't anyone. Like the Marley's situation is not very good at center. No, and it's not just it's not just Goche. It's like they're not... like. They're not getting anything out of Levo offensively. Tyler Ennis, nothing. They're, they sent Trevor Moore down probably to play a game with the Marlies or whatever. It'll be interesting yeah. if they they probably will recall him because he's from L.A. area. He's like that. Well, they need an extra forward for the track. That's the see. only reason. Like I know a lot of there was stories and stuff about Trevor Moore. The only reason they called him up was because you need an extra forward when you go on the road in case someone gets hurt yeah, or someone gets sick. Couldn't or, you see them play him in one of those games in California where yeah, he's from? Absolutely, they should. Even the Anaheim game or the LA game. They should be like we've talked about this before with the defense. Like on those back to backs, they should just be rotating the healthy, yeah, fresh yeah, yeah. guys in. They're not going to do it. I but... heard that Trevor Moore's family's excited about this trip next week. I heard through the grapevine. So I, I, if people want to bet, I think he might get into the lineup. You sit Ennis or whatever. I remember talking to him in the summer or the spring, and I believe he was a Kings fan growing up, I think. He's from Thousand Oaks, California. Which is outside L.A. Yeah. I believe he was a Kings fan. I believe, like, he celebrated when they won, and, like, I think he was, like, a Luke Robitaille fan, I want to say. Anyway. Probably. So, yeah, it makes sense that maybe he does. Like, Mike Babcock's not big on that sentimental kind of stuff, but... Even if you put him in in Anaheim and his family can go to the game and... Sure. Well, and it, it's not like you're you, you can take out Tyler Ennis for a game. And they they liked more in in preseason and training camp and everything. I mean, he was 
he's it's easy to see why like he's feisty he's persistent like he's I got a little really bit of liked skill what ennis has done like i really i think levo has been fine I think I, I mean, think those guys have been fine. I don't think they've been the problem. Levo needs a, probably a center that can carry the puck more. Like he's not going to be a guy that's going to be able to break in and well, and a center who can actually create for him. Like right. you saw when that one stretch when he played with Kadri, where he had like nine points or something in ten games, and he looked like something. But like you put him with Goche, and Goche just isn't going to create right. anything for you because Levo's like not bad once he gets the puck. I mean, he can shoot and his stick handling's fine. And like I like him on that second power play unit. I think that he looks. He looks interesting. The one thing that like that we should mention, and it's good you brought up the power play because I wanted to get to this. They're, one of the things that kind of saved them when they were without Matthews last year is they had that power play unit that didn't have Matthews on it. That first power play with Van Riemsdyk, Bozak, Marner, Kadri, Riley. They don't really have that this year where they have like this rolling on all cylinders or whatever that expression is. They don't have that. Like, as much as their power play numbers look good for the year, that they're still sort of figuring it out with their power play. And that's why, like, when you look at Tavares' start, it's it's been really good in terms of points and production. But, like, you wonder what it looks like if they can get it figured out with the power play. And one thing to say, Tavares. <laughs> <laughs> God. No, well, I, I mean, but the power play is 30% on the year. I, yeah. It's been slowing down recently. because well, it came out of the gate, like, tire or... I don't know expression. Yeah, I think, hot. Weren't they at like thirty eight percent or something at one point? Yeah, or fifty. I think they were fifty percent early on. So it's been coming down. And you're right; it looks a little bit disjointed. It looks a, like well, because the... like they had this whole identity for two years, and like suddenly that's gone. And it was like sort of figuring itself out with Matthews. But then even when Matthews was in there, it was kind of like teams were starting to figure out how to defend it a little bit. And then and then you take out Matthews, and suddenly it's not the same. Not only was JVR such a big part of the power play, but I think Bozak was... That was where he always seemed to be the most effective, just very kind of sure. like... And so you've moved some guys into different positions, especially now with, with Matthews out. I, they need Nylander back to, to, make yes. the, to make the power play go. And especially that second unit. I can just picture... We've talked about this before, but yeah, I could just picture that second power play unit if Nylander's out there with some of those other guys who aren't as dynamic. Yeah. He would have the puck half the power play or more. Well, he'd be Marner on that power play, basically. He'd be Except he'd be Marner with a shot. He'd be all over the place. Like, he loves moving positions on the power play, which really throws off the penalty kill unit. So, yeah. we all we all like watching William Nylander, and it'd be good for him to come back. Yes. I think it's weird. I think we talked about it before, but, like, he's become sort of, like underrated i don't know i guess that happens well because fans want the contract to be a long... yeah but it's not just fans no like don't just put it on. Yeah. it's media too it's yeah. it's maybe i it's more so with media like almost like, like even the idea and this is kind of what i'm going to write next week is like even the idea of trading him like is a really huge thing and it's just like well they have to trade him or they have to sign him and anyway i don't know that that's a totally you know, I think part of it, it might be. I think some of the guys have agents who are like out there and aggressively like selling a message, yeah. and that message gets. Whereas that's not happening with Nylander's camp. Like, there's they're they're not putting a message out there about whatever. I don't know. That I think part of that, and Nylander's not like a very Nylander doesn't have any friends in the media. Like he's he's very quiet. Like he doesn't he hasn't. Yeah, it kind of reminds me. Remember with Grabowski, like Grabowski took so much crap, and it's like he never really had. He didn't have like a. I mean, he 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 liked you and whatever, but like he wasn't super tight with a lot of the media. And sure. I find sometimes those European guys, their English isn't that great. Sometimes they, 
maybe get more crap thrown at them than they deserve. Well, and there probably is a European angle to this whole thing as to why he's perceived that way a little bit. His dad, obviously, is part of the influence. I don't know. Like It's just like he's perceived so differently from Marner. His dad did not apparently make a lot of friends in the league when he played, I guess. Sure. But I, I don't know. You can't. What's the saying? You can't cast the sins of the father on the son, or so. Like that's like that's like a Shakespeare or something. Sure. Like that, it's true. Like you, you have to judge people for who they are. Yeah. I don't, and I like we've talked about this before. I don't know Michael Nealander. I'm just saying, like you talk to people in hockey and people who I trust, and they're, you know, they say, they say he's a bit odd. Would you be nervous now if you're Kyle Dubas? Like we're into November. There's this deadline coming up. I wonder if they know that... Like, I guess the question that I've been asking myself as I start to think about what I'm going to write, is it worth it to have him either traded, sit out a year, uh, or would you rather just overpay him? Like, you think it's overpaying. Like, let's say let's say the, the number that gets it done is, is is higher than you want. Let's say it's eight. Eventually, I think that's not going to be overpaying him. Is it worth it to not have him this year and beyond? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, isn't it, wouldn't you rather overpay him a a little bit and have him than not have him? Would like, they got to go to a bridge deal. Like, you can't commit on a long-term deal that you don't agree to. You just get the bridge deal done. And if, I think if you're the Leafs and you have to overpay a bit on a bridge deal, it's a bridge deal. It's going to be over. It's going to be over in like a year. If it's a two-year deal, it's going to be over in a year and a half. That's what I think I would do. But I, again, I'm not 100% sure what Nylander's side wants on the bridge deal. Like, I don't, maybe they're looking at Panarin and saying, oh, he got two years at six million a year. But even that, like, let's say that was the number. Like, even that, I think you just do it. Like, they're not, you wrote about this. And if you haven't read that, go to The Athletic and check it out. They're not in cap trouble. Like, they're, they, they, they'll be fine. They can, you know what I mean? Like, I think, I, I think that what, Dubas and Gilman and Pridham and those I, I think they don't want to set this precedent where like they give a ton of money on a sure. bridge deal and then you know the next guy comes available and well and the other thing like if you do do what I said what I'm saying and not what I advocate just a thought and just pay them then the other guys will look at that and be like I can just push them and push them and push them I'm going to get what I want the other thing like is- if you're Marner and you're watching this and eventually they just cave in you're just like you know what I'll just do the same thing you know what else is interesting Jonas is someone brought up in my story today on how the cap functions if you sign into the season if marner or matthew start pushing it up to into the season mm-hmm. that first year cap hit goes up for those yeah, guys right. and it's it's already a big going to be a big number so that's a huge amount of leverage for marner and matthews is it not that you and the other thing too is that both those guys can get offer sheets any day of the week so there's multiple reasons why you're going to want it you you don't want matthews and marner to get into this situation like you, they can't be back here again next year with one of those guys. Well, I I can't see that being possible. Like someone would offer sheet them, hundred percent, right. Right? right? Although, is it a hundred percent? Like this league is insane. Like they, they don't do it. So I don't know. Maybe it's not a hundred percent. But like you would think, if it got past think, July first, you would or think whatever. Matthews could get a thirteen million a year offer sheet and Marner, thirteen more. Well, let's let's just say like at least. Okay. At at minimum, he could get a thirteen million a year offer sheet. That the Leafs would match, and at minimum, Marner could get ten, and they could probably get more. Probably more. That's why the Le- I mean, the Le- uh, if I'm the Leafs, I try and get those deals done now. Yeah. Depending. Even in spite of, I guess the one that would hurt for Nealander is Marner. 
Like, if you get Marner done, suddenly... But, like, there's no time. So, apparently... I can't remember if it was Elliot... I think it was Elliot Freeman that said this. Apparently... So I saw this somewhere, and it makes a lot of sense, that one of the things that Nylander's side is worried about is that he's going to be way underpaid compared to his teammates. And he's right. He's so totally right. Sign the bridge right. deal, though. That, the answer to that is signing the bridge deal. But I think I think Nylander feels, oh, I'm just as good as Marner. As or, he probably should, He probably right? feels like he's better. I mean, these guys are very confident in themselves. And he probably feels like, you know, I'm like, I'm... Maybe I don't score as many goals as Matthews, but I'm... Uh, what's the right word? Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not like way out of the ballpark. So like, why is Matthews going to get twelve something and I'm going to get six? Like, the, I'm sure Nylander thinks that makes no sense. Well, and it's the same thing. Like, is Drysaddle better than me? If I'm Nylander, I'm thinking no. Drysaddle is better than you, but I'm Nylander <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. I'm Willie. Well, that, yeah, and I think they look at it as the same dynamic. Where uh, they, I was talking to someone about this uh, yesterday, um, someone. Well connected in 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 the NHL a source. Yeah, I don't want to say exactly who it was. Someone who was looking at this, and they said the problem is is that um, okay. So let, let's say Matthews is the Leafs version of McDavid. Okay, whatever. He's going to get a number that's like in that range. And let's say Nylander looks at it and he's like, okay, I'm the Drysaddle. And it's like, yeah, but the Oilers don't have a Marner. Yeah. So like, and it, the Oilers are well, already having a hard totally time. Totally effed up. They've, the Oilers are already having a hard time with their cap, and you know, you look at the Leafs. The Leafs have more than one Drysaddle. Kind of is is yeah. the situation. So yeah, they, but then if they're going to pay him Drysaddle money or more, Neander's going to be like, and you're, you want to pay me six? Yeah, no, thank you. I'll wait. Right? Yeah. And that's where we are. That's, that's why we are where we are. That's what. So people say, well, he's asking for Drysaddle money. That makes no sense. If you look at the points per game and the production and exactly. on the entry level contract, it's the same. Wouldn't that's you? why it bothers me when like there's this. Per- presentation i think in and i'll put it on media like he's doing something that's outrageous he's not like it's not crazy to be like the only thing that i would say counter to that is that if they won't sign the bridge deal then that's kind of outrageous like that's normally when you get us it the reason this is outrageous is because look where we are it's the middle of november you don't have any rights like your only right is not to play tough shit that's the way the cba works for everybody every player in the league deals with these rules so just get the get your bridge deal done. If you want to fight, go to arbitration in two years. That's where the, like that's this is the way the CBA is for everybody. And how many other players hold out to November? I can't find anybody. Who else? Ryan O'Reilly did, I think. Yeah, it's 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 not really fair. Well, is the is the way is basically what it is. A, like as an RFA, you're not owed a long term deal for a lot of money. You don't you don't get that. Like that's not give that's not your god given right. Yeah, it's also not the team's god given right to sign you to a contract that you don't think is fair. Well, I think a bridge deal in the five to six range is more than fair. If you look at sure. like look at what Kucherov got. I mean, like it's Kucherov. It's it's. I'm just gonna mispronounce every name <laughs> the rest of the You're way. Gonna Don Cherry this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Nylander, Lavongo. <laughs> Some of those ones are amazing. Some of those ones, it's like who's he talking about? Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, right. There's there's the guy on the screen. I see. I don't watch, so anyway. Sometimes it's on and you're watching at home, and you're at most of the Saturday games. I'm, I'm, and I'm not. I'm, yeah. I've got a baby in my lap, and we're watching the game. All right, I think we've covered all. Do you have our anything ground. else on the on the list there? I had Riley just because I wrote about Riley, and I had Hainsey just because you wrote a little something yeah, about Hainsey. Let's, let's, let's talk about. Hainsey. about okay, so let's talk about Hainsey briefly. Essentially, you found these numbers that suggest that as the year goes on, Hainsey's possession goes down. Last which, three years. Last three years, which isn't totally surprising, 
But nonetheless, it kind of paints the picture of what should be a concern for the Leafs as the season rolls along and as they get into the trade deadline, as they get into the playoffs, that if you're going to continue to rely on Ron Hainsey to play significant minutes against significant competition, you're likely to see his results get get worse. And it was quite a bit worse, too. If you look at the charts, like his possession was basically going down. I just remember the reason I started looking at it is because I don't remember last year we were like, wow, like Ron Hainsey's like... He's like a 53% possession player and he's playing against top lines and he's playing 22 minutes a night. This is crazy. And that was early on last year. And then I remember, I remember you were on overdrive and you were talking to Hayes and O-Dog about this. And you're like, you were like, his possession numbers are down. Like the last like 10 games, he's at like 40 some percent. And they were like, you're crazy. He's so good. And, And it's like, he was good for the first like 20 games, but then his results really went in the tank. Yeah. And it was a big problem for the Leafs the rest of the way and in the playoffs. In the playoffs, that like that pair was like 30-something percent. Basically, they wore Hainsey out. Because but, he's 37. So, so then I went and I was like, all right, I wonder if this is like a thing. And I went and I looked at the previous four seasons. And in all of the last three years, it happened with Hainsey where his possession has gone down. And not just like a little tiny bit, like five, six percent. Like down a pretty significant amount for, for possession stats. Well... It kind of gets to what has been like a lingering question. How do they fix it? And like you pointed out in your story, like there's not really a great solution unless you trade for someone and it's hard to find guys who fit that bill. And like, what are you going to give up to get them? Like they're really in a tough spot. Um, I don't know what you do. Like, do you move Ojeganov up eventually? Probably I mean, he not. Played like like he, nine minutes against Vegas. Do you move Dermot up and play him on the wrong side? I don't know that that's. Like I would a, like to see that. I would at least like to try it. Don't you think they need to try something different? Yeah, I don't know if that's it. I don't know. Do you I move Riley over? No, like I, I sort of well, agree with Bob. Some, I think you got to do something. No. Well, I sort of agree with what, what Babcock has said about this. He said like he likes to keep his more skilled defensemen on their their natural side. Because they're the one who's going to make the play. That, makes sense. That yeah, makes I mean, total it, sense. Well, if you're coming out of your own end as a defenseman, you're going to be playing the puck in the corner. Mm-hmm. On You want it on your strong side. Like, you want to be able to... Whereas if you're on your backhand trying to pick the... And you're playing against another... Yeah. A player on the other team who's probably on their strong side. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That, that may, and, and so not only is Riley getting the puck on a strong side, he's either going to be able to skate or be able to pass the puck. And he can see the whole ice and he right. can make a play throughout the whole As ice. As opposed to have to like, you know... Yeah, James put, is like motioning like yeah, I'm going, going back. I'm doing like a funky chicken dance with how, what you have to do when you play in your backhand. Yeah. Which is the funky chicken dance that Hainsey has to do being a left shot that plays the right side. Yeah. The interesting thing, and I wrote about this... But you're kind of saying there's no solution to that issue. I don't know that they're... I don't know what the obvious one is. The the, the interesting thing that they have done is they're not strictly using that pair in matchup duty, which is a change, and which is smart. Like, there's no reason to give that pair the top lines every single night, especially when they're faster and they're maybe more skilled. Like, it makes sense to give Gardner and Zaitsev some of that uh, it's surprising to have Hainsey getting all the offensive zone starts. Like, I wonder when the last time was that he was getting that. Maybe like his Columbus days? When, when he was the... Off, power play guy? Offensive. It's hard to picture him as a power play guy because he doesn't have a very good shot or anything. Like, the goals he scores are always... Yeah, but he's smart. Like he's going to make a smart play with a puck, generally. Right? Like, he's not doing anything crazy. He's he's wily. He's the wily veteran. Yeah, it's a nice, cliched use. But, like, it does... 
make it interesting, like what they're eventually going to do. The thing is, like I touched on this before, I don't know what you'd even trade to get that guy. Like you would have to trade a oh. Kapanen, or you would have to trade. Well, a... you know who the big one out there that's available that isn't going to stay where he is? It's Truba in Winnipeg. And there's not like an obvious is up. Yeah, but there's not like an obvious fit there. Like they're not going to want to trade him this year. But right, in the they're summer, gonna... yeah. But the thing, I don't know if he wants to play in Toronto either. I mean, the talk is he doesn't want to play in. But he's from Michigan, right? I mean, he could drive home from here, so maybe that's better than Winnipeg. I don't know. But again, you'd have to pay a price. And I don't know what that price is. And like, there, it's not like we were talking about it before. It's not like they're deep enough that they can just plunge two forwards. Well, and Truba's been a guy that's been really hard to come up with a contract for. So it's not like he's he's making five five right now. On was yeah. he? I think it's just, they just did a one year arbitration I it was deal. A two year. Oh no! Yeah, you're right. It, it was a one year. Yeah, I was looking at it last night. Yeah. I mean, Truba's perfect for what they need, but sure. he's probably going to want seven and a half million a year or seven million a year. But he's perfect, and you're going to have to give up a lot. And what is you look at Winnipeg? Winnipeg is really in a tight cap spot. You, like they got to sign Line A, they got to sign Kyle Connor. That mm-hmm. their cap situation, I would think, is worse than the Leafs next year. But they've got you know Wheeler making huge money, and they've got Brian Little making big money, and they've got Bufflin, and they've got uh, Tyler Myers is going to be UFA, and they've got Hellebuck making more than than Anderson makes. Like they've they're they're in a tight spot. Well, maybe a solution is you can send them players that you have that they could put in their lineup who are cheap. I don't know who that is. Like maybe maybe they look at Andreas Janssen and they're like that guy. Kapanen. Well, Kapanen's RFA, but like he's not going to make a lot. Yeah, Kapanen would be a good example, but like Dermot. Yeah, like those kind of guys. I like Truba. I think he solves the the problems that. Well, the you pair have. him with Hainsey, or you pair him with. Well, probably, he's not or, be sorry, there next I mean year. you pair him with Riley, and that's your top pair. That's a great top pair. Right. Really, really well, good. Well, it's basically like what the Jets have with Morrissey. Same sort of thing. Who did Riley pair with on that that North Team North America? Wasn't it Truba? Mm, I th- I want to say I'd have to go back and look. Was it Pareko or Ekblad? I can't remember. Yeah, maybe Ekblad. I think it was Ekblad. It was their top pair, or whatever it was. Ekblad's a right dude. Yeah, so I think that's what it was. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Podcast brought to you by Saki Hall of Fame. Get your socks. Lots of good. Come to the live options. show. There's an early bird sale on right now. So if you want to come to the live show and you can't figure out how to. Just send us a tweet and we'll we'll let you know how to get signed up. Or just go to there's a we've tweeted out the page to to buy tickets. Um, it's like fifteen bucks, and you know it's two or three hours long. And we'll talk to you after the show and whatever. It's it's fun. We we take lots of of questions. And the other thing, I mean, it's we're gonna have uh, Justin Bourne's gonna be there again, and Mark Masters will be there again. We're gonna try and get some more guests. You think we can get more guests? We're going to try. Sorry the special guest didn't make it last time. We're going to try for him again. Very special. So again, November 29th at the Rivoli, there's a game against San Jose the night before. Um, and then there's a couple days off, and then I go to Minnesota on the I've first. never been to Minnesota. Do you like it there? Yeah, I think the, yeah. Rink, the rink's not in a very good place, right? But the rink, no, the rink's fine. And the rink's nice. Like, And yeah. they love hockey there. It's the hockey something state. State of hockey, yeah. 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 Anyway, all right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, next week while James is in Cali. He's going back to Cali, which is a reference he doesn't get.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.